Praise the Lord for mercy tonight. Thank God mercy said no. The devil said ain't no hope. And God said, oh, yes, they are. They're done mine. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. <clears throat> Turn with me tonight, if you would. Let's read several verses here. And what concord hath Christ with Belial, which is another name for Satan? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Now remember, I was looking at last Wednesday night about the early church. Did they believe in separation? Or did they believe you could just do anything you wanted to do and mix with everybody of the world and act like the world? Or did they believe that you had to be a separate people? We believe they did believe that. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. How blessed we are. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate. Look at the word separate. Divide, sever, to mark off from others by boundaries, to limit, to separate, to exclude as disreputable, to appoint, set apart for some purpose. Now remember, this is not Old Testament. Now this is New Testament teaching. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, <clears throat> and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You see, those who only practice holiness on the outside still ain't in holiness. Holiness isn't just in your length of your dress or the length of your hair, but actually there is a holiness in your spirit. You've seen people as well as I have that have a great big long hair and big old long tongue to match it. They gossip, they talk about people, run down all kinds of sarcasm and things like that. Their spirit's not clean. Now, their hair might be right, and they might be a man, and they might be dressed fine, but their spirit is corrupt. Their spirit is vile. If your spirit loves to feed on garbage and gossip, there's something wrong with you. That's not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not a garbage dump. I don't let everybody mad now. I guess we might as well just go home. Amen. Well, it's the truth, isn't it? Let's bow our heads together and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love to us tonight, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your grace. We ask you, Lord, that you take your word. Only you can break the bread of life in a way, Father, that would be able to feed us and minister to us. We're not here to feed on the personality of a man or an individual, but that we might be able to receive of the mighty hand of God. We need sustenance for this day, Lord Jesus. We know that comes with the word of God. Our souls does not feed on entertainment. Our souls do not feed on worldly pleasures or the cosmos of the world around us. But we feed on that word of God. That's what we live by. That's what we live for. I pray you'd speak to us tonight, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let's pick up again in this sermon that we was looking at last Wednesday night in oneness. When Brother Branham identifies the separation of God's people 
and how that the world was brought to the Andalusian destruction by a false union. The Garden of Eden, of course, the fall of man come by a false union. Tower of Babel uh, came by a false union. Watch in paragraph 120, he said, God separated again, and he set out good old righteous Abraham and said, I'll take you and make a nation out of you. God separated him, come out from among them. Abraham, leave everything behind. And God never blessed him till he left everything behind. Lot was the last. Now listen, Lot was the last. Come out, Abraham. Separate yourself from them unbelievers. And I'm going to take you and make a nation out of you. And I'll make a people that will keep my commandments. I'm going to give them another chance. Now, let's read in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, as God actually makes this call. His name, of course, then is Abram. Now, the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Now, we know his country was the land of Chaldea. He lived in the city called Ur. And Ur was actually the capital city of moon worship. Now what's amazing is whenever the sons of Noah came out after the flood and they went, they lived initially upon the Mount Ararat and they settled there and lived there for quite some time. But then a civilization began to expand and they began to go down into the valleys and they began to cultivate the, out, the valleys and they were naturally they were more fertile than the mountains were and they began to expand in these different directions. Now through the lineage of Shem, then he come on down through Arphaxad. Through Arphaxad come Eber and on down and led to Abraham. What's amazing is, and what's sad at the same time, is that this land, in the land of the Chaldeas and the city of Ur, actually was an established, established city that believed in the true religion of the one God. But as time went on, they got away from the true religion of the one God, and they began to worship the creation more than the Creator. So they began to worship the sun, the moon, and the stars, different ones of those religions. Some made the major god a, a, a certain star, Jupiter or Mars or whatever it was. But this one actually picked out the moon. And they made the moon as the primary god, the sun as a son of the moon, and on and on and on they went with their idolatry. Now it fell from the true religion of what God had given them under the administration of our facts had, and it comes to a time to where God said they are so full of idolatry. And we've looked at it before that Abraham's father actually owned a God shop. So Abraham worked in this place where his father made and sold gods and Abraham was brought up a heathen but yet God by his grace called to Abraham and said come out of this country. Now God told him leave your father's house. But we know that Abraham did not do that initially, but he actually brought his father and Lot with him. So it was only a partial obedience to the word. But we know that his father, sometime after that, just a few years later, that his father actually passed away. 
but still he has Lot with him. Now remember the promise of God is made in full obedience. Now God gives the promise, I'll bless them that bless you, curse them that curse you, I'll give you all these things, I'm going to do this and that. But that promise is a full obedient promise. But Abraham is not going to receive that promise until he comes into full obedience. And this is why the prophet tells us that we will never be truly blessed by God until we come in full obedience of the word. Now people can come around the church, they can come around the message, and they can go halfway. Guess guess how many blessings they're going to get? Halfway blessings. They go a third of the way. Guess how many they're going to get? Third of the way blessings. But those who go all the way, they get full body change blessings. So it's up to you. It's up to me as the children of God. We can go all the way if we wish, or we can go halfway. We can go into justification. Well, that's what God will give you. You go into sanctification, that's what God will give you. Or you can go to the restoration of gifts. Or if you want to go all the way, you can go in the rapture. Now, what's this? It's amazing how that these generations as they come down and the posterity comes from Shem down to our Faxad, down to Eber, and then by the time it reaches Abraham's time frame, then they've already fell away from that. Notice in verse 2 what God said, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. But now notice, these are full obedient promises. This never happened as soon as he left. This never happened as soon as his father died. This never even happened as soon as Lot left. But God is speaking full-term obedient promises. And as Abraham obeys, God releases a little more. Now we look and we wonder why we don't have any more of the blessing of God in our life. Well, much of the promises of God on us are full-term promises given by prophecy. But they'll only be released. It's like a slow time-release promise that as we're able to surrender the more we surrender, the more God gives back. You see, if God give us everything that he had immediately, we'd be more spoiled than what we are now because we're already spoiled Laodiceans. So we think as soon as we pray, God ought to give it to us. Well, God ought to pour it all out. You mean we got to live right? We got to pray? We got to go to church? Oh my goodness, we got to read our Bible? And my goodness, we got to sacrifice a few things every now and then? Well, no, you don't absolutely have to. But if you want full-term blessings, that's what God requires. Now, if you want Laodicea blessings and God blesses your finances and gives you a little this and that and other, well, go on. You can go right on and do that. But if you really want to walk and the full Abrahamic blessing of bride, then you know what? It may take you a long time to get there. And that means there may be a lot of ups and downs and your faith will be so tried, your patience will be so tried, your endurance, your long-suffering, everything about you will be tried to a spot to where you'll feel like you can't make another step. You'll feel like that you've been so stressed out, you'll never be able to breathe another breath and you're like Elijah, you would to God, you'd get run over going home. Because you say, I'd rather be in heaven in a new body than to live another day. Or you say, well, I'll tell you one thing, I don't think I can take it. But if you're a bride seed, you can take it. 
Now, if you're Laodicean and you got to be babied around, well, I guarantee you, you won't be able to take it. But I believe I'm looking at some bride material here tonight. I believe there's some bride folks that's around the world. And I'll tell you, they also get to that spot. They're old human things. Think, Lord, I can't take another day. I would to God I'd die. I wish a rock could fall out and just hit me in the head and just get me out of here. Why don't somebody get me rat poison or something just to get me out of here? Well, come on, don't sit there and look at me now like a bunch of angels that you know what I'm talking about. But really down inside of your soul, if it come down to it, and God said, look, you honestly want me to baby you the rest of your life. You honestly want me to treat you like a little spoiled brat, like you're a rotten layout of sin. And I guarantee you, every son and daughter of God in this place tonight, if it ever come to that spot, that God would say, is that really what you want? Every one of you. The truth of it is, if you're a seed of God, you'd say, no, sir, I don't want that. I don't want you to treat me like no spoiled brat layout to sin. Lord, I complain and I growl and sometimes I go through things and it seems like it's overwhelming me, but Lord, you do all things well. Your way is right. Your time is right. Everything about you is right. I'm the one that's messed up. Lord, forgive me. The Lord give and the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh my, notice verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. Now, a lot of us have got a lot of lots. And the more lots that we have in our lot, the more lots we get in trouble with our lots, because lot is a lot of trouble. You all understand what I'm saying about lot. So a lot of us have got a lot of issues, and we've got a lot of problems, and we've got a lot of this and that and the other. And then we wonder why that we can't move on, because we've got a lot of lots. And the lesser lots you have, the more of your lot you'll get. But the more lot you have, the lesser of your lot you'll get. Everybody understand all about lot tonight? You see, it's up to you which lot you want. Now, you can have a lot of lots. And remember, according to Josephus, he says that Abram had actually adopted Lot because it looked like that there was no chance that him and Sarai was ever going to have a son. So he actually adopted Lot and made Lot his heir. So now he's more than just a nephew, but he's his adopted Lot. Now, some of us don't just have lots that we receive from the lot of our parents and the lot of our grandparents, but we've adopted these lots and made them closer lots than what they were before if we didn't have enough lots already. But once we adopt our lots and give them our inheritance, well, my this and my blood pressure and my sugar, you see what you've done? You've adopted more lots. Well, my, my this and my, my gout and my lumbago and my, why don't you quit claiming that thing? Oh my, you're going to sign for all them rattlesnakes, the devil. Well, it come to my box with my name on it. I don't care if it has got your name on it. Send it right back to hell. Go to talking to your body and say, body, you're going to obey the word. I've got the image of a well man, a well woman in front of me, and I'm going to walk right into that image to me, and that image become one. If it'll work that way with sickness, it'll work that way with a besetting sin. It'll work that way with depression. It'll work that way with sadness in your heart. Put a happy person. Oh, glory to God. Put a happy person in front of you. If you find yourself smiling, your smiles turned upside down, and you ain't smiled in a while, and you ain't found nothing to be 
happy about. Picture yourself smiling like a possum eating blueberries. Picture yourself happy with joy in your heart and step right toward that smiling body. Step right to press beyond every fear, press beyond every doubt, press beyond every frustration until you and that smiling person become the same individual. Amen. Hallelujah. Let some of your lots go so you can have your lot. Well, praise God. I hope you enjoyed that, whoever that was for. Amen. Now notice, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Aram. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they'd gotten in Aram. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. Into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land of the place of Shechem, into the plain of Mori. And the Canaanite was in the land. Okay, so where's all these great blessings? They're not around. You know why? Lot. Chapter 13, verse 8. And Abram said unto Lot, Lot, I've got too many lots, and I can't get my lot with all the lots that I took on myself. Now look, friends, a lot of our burdens, a lot of our trouble, a lot of our issues are our lots. A lot of them we have brought on ourselves. Well, thank you, Jesus. Let there be no strife, I praise thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate, listen, separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. Now, Lot's got to leave in order for Abraham to get his lot. Because Lot wasn't Abram's lot. Brother Donnie, it seemed like my lot in life is sickness and defeat. Are you sure? Or have you adopted that? Have you adopted that and said, well, I guess it's the way it is. My, you know, my father was this and my mother. Well, my Bible still tells me, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in. Even as that, that's your lot, my brother. You're guessing your lot may be sickness. Now, this is a promise. What promise do you have from God because your father had this and this and this? You have to have it. Now, where's your promise in the word? Stand to your feet, please tell me. But the promise is, amen. They shall lay their hands on the sick and they Praise God. But we've adopted Lot. It's our Lot. They told Brother Tracy, my, many, many years ago, said, you got sugar diabetes, Mr. Brisson. And he said, you can't give Jesus sugar, honey. <laughs> I realize Brother Tracy might not have been very well balanced in some of that stuff. But he wasn't about to sign for some of that stuff. Notice, Abram says, separate thyself, I pray thee from me. If I will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. 
Or if thou depart to the right hand, that I will go to the left. Now remember, we're talking about the father of the Jews. So the early apostolic church, mainly all Jews converted. And whenever they begin to understand about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and what God was doing in the church age, and they saw that God still required separation. But now it was not Jewish separation from Gentiles. Now, initially, they thought that. They thought that the Holy Ghost was only for the Jews. Remember, they jumped on Peter because Peter went and preached to the Roman centurion and Cornelius. And you remember the great thing that God did? And yet, they had a real, real attitude because God gave the Holy Ghost to the Gentiles. And they begin to think initially the Jews was the only ones. But now the Gentiles are coming in. So you imagine you've got Crete, you've got Persians, you've got Gauls, you've got Romans, you've got Macedonians, you've got all these people with all of their cultures. Now as the first century Christians begin to embrace them. And they had all these different dietary laws. They had all these different things. How do we do this? How do we merge all these Gentiles in with these Jews? And yet they believed in separation. And they had to have a great meeting at Jerusalem. Remember the brothers met together and said, what do we do about it? What about the Gentiles? What should they do? Well, let them not eat things strangled with bread. Let them not do this and that and the other. But as far as the Mosaic law, they're free from it. They do not have to be circumcised. They don't have to do this. So, so could they just be a modern Laodicean? Well, you can do whatever you want to do. Live any way you want to live. Just drink, run around. My, we're all saved by the blood of Jesus anyhow. That's not what the apostolic church believed. Now remember, Paul is writing, a Jew, writing to the Corinthian church, which was a Gentile city and a Gentile church. And he's telling them what? Come out from among them and be separate. Now remember, this Jewish principle would have been very, very easy believed by the Jews because God had constantly separated their people down through the ages. But in the New Testament, it's going to be a little bit different kind of separation. They're going to be in the world, but they're actually not going to be of the world. They're going to be around the world, but they're going to be changed from the world and have a different appetite than what the world has. But in the land of Abraham now, the time of Abraham, actually separation, a lot of it was by locale, by locations. All right, so Lot goes one way, Abraham goes another way. So here, because it was a natural land to a natural promise, to a natural seed unconverted, then the separation is going to be what? It's going to be natural. It's not going to be a, just a spiritual separation like you and I have today. Or does God want us to come over and start some type of, we'll buy a bunch of acreage over here somewhere in some part to Tennessee and we'll all move in there and we'll put up gates and nobody can get in unless you come to Happy Valley. Is that what God wants? That's what the world wants. They think we're a bunch of nuts anyhow. And remember, that's what makes cults. But the balance is being able to be in the world and yet separate from the world. Many of you rub shoulders with the world every day. You work side by side with them and yet you go to lunch, maybe at the same place they go. You clock in about the same time they do, clock out. But there's something in you that is different from the rest of them even though you are around them, praise the Lord. Even though you are near them, there's something in you that is different. Who is it? The God. God of Abraham. The God of Abraham that separated Abraham and Lot is the very same God separating us from our family, from our loved ones. Come on now. And now finally getting you to the last spot where you're separating from Lot, which is you. 
The final separation is going to be your soul separating from your see, taste, feel, smell, hear, love, imagination, conscience, memory, and all those other aspects of you that are still yet unconverted and carnal. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. Now, let's read verse 10 again. And Lot lifted up his eyes and behold the plain of Jordan. Now watch the natural carnal man. That it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Oh, so how was it that Lot knew what Egypt looked like? I'll tell you how. His elect uncle backslid and went to the land of Egypt and took Lot with him. Abraham recuperated from that backsliding into Egypt, but a penny never recuperates the same. So Lot come out of Egypt with Abraham, but he still has this memory of Egypt and the world. And I used to do this, and I used to do that. Watch him now. Here he makes his decision based upon a land that looks like Egypt. The world. Oh, can, can I be in the message and, you know, kind of straddle the fence sort of the same, be, be in, in Egypt and, and still follow the prophet of God, praise God. I'll, I'll stick close to Uncle Abraham and if I get in trouble, he'll come down and rescue me. But I, I, I'll pitch my tent towards Sodom and I'll live in Egypt, uh, a land that looks like Egypt and, and, and still believe the message and still believe in one God. Hey, we've got a lot of lots around us, friends. Now, notice this. It was as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Oh. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. But no doubt Lot felt like he could win some of them. Sodomites finally wound up knocking on denominational Lot's doors. Trying to gain entrance into the ministry of Lot and into the deaconship and come on, don't get quiet on me. There's such a price to pay, friends, when we turn away from God's truth. Now notice God's reaction. The departure of Lot must have been a very, very difficult time for for Abram, even though he knew that's what God wanted. But this was his adopted son. This was his nephew. This was the man who had left with him out of Haran. And they had had a lot of, no doubt, difficult times together. And Lot had been there with him. And it had been an encouragement to him. And just because they were of different caliber did not mean that he did not love him. But I want you to think now that even though we may be members of the same human family, 
It does not mean we're the same categorically in the eyes of God. Now here was a silver dollar and here was a penny. And they were of the same blood. They were of the same family. But they were not of the same genus. The same kind. Oh my. Now I don't want to get too, too plain with this. But many of you have been in the Lord long enough to be able to know and accept that his truth that we love our families and we pray for our families. But friends, it does not mean everybody in our family is bride. It does not mean all your brothers, your sisters, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, and whoever more is bride. That's God's choice, not ours. Oh, it hurts our hearts, I know it does. And yet God knew this. This is paramount in order for the unfolding of the furtherment of the revelation of Abraham's life. And God knew this. And God is not uncaring when it comes to the time of separation. But yet Lot was always a fly in the ointment. Lot was always a stick in the mud, as we say, and his wife constantly complained about holiness services. Oh, she loves services about grace and mercy. When Pastor Abraham would get up there and talk about grace and love and all that, old Lot's wife would cry and mascara run down her eyes and all that. My goodness, she lost a false eyelash over and over again in service. But yeah, when Abraham would sit up and preach on Bob Perrin, painted faith, boy, she'd scrunch up her toes and her sandals and she'd get mad in a hornet and walk out of service and tell Lot, I ain't going back again. He looked right straight at me. Who and where am I supposed to look at but you all? I'll tell you one thing. He, 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 he throwed that right at us. I don't know what in the world's the matter with him. He, we need to vote him out and get another pastor. So it was one thing after another. And then they started fussing over who had the right to feed the sheep. The final separation, oh my, before Abraham was actually where to feed the sheep. Do we play tapes or do we preach or what do we do, you know? Uh, so it was about the, the sheep food and how do you get the sheep food? And it caused a big fuss in the message. Well, praise the Lord, it still is, amen. Now notice then whenever God looked at this, even though it's what God intended for it to be, but it shows you how God is so concerned about the things that bothers us. So whenever this happened, God knew that it was a, it was a difficult time for Abram. And God came to him, Brother Terry, even though it was God's will, the separation was necessary. Now, many of you can probably think when you were separated from a father, maybe a mother, brothers, sisters, whatever more, when you embraced the truth of this hour. Some of you have never been through much separation because you was born in the message and your parents raised you up in the message. Having come from that, from that type of a thing, it might be hard for you to relate to what I went through. Hey, went through others that have went through as well. When your entire family left you, your entire family do away with you and have nothing to do with you at all and leave you by yourself basically for years and years. So it's a very difficult thing. And then others of you have experienced it now that you're in the message. You've had a, a loved one, a friend, a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, whatever more, to walk away. Separation is painful. And what did God do? God didn't say, all right, Abraham, put on your big boy britches and grow up. I ain't got time to fool without whimpering and crying. But God come to him and God comforted him in the hour of the separation. God knows separation is painful. Praise the Lord. Oh, brother Donnie, I turned and walked away from everybody. It didn't bother me at all. I question your separation. If it didn't bother you, there's something wrong with you. You didn't love them right. Well, hallelujah. Now notice in verse 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes 
and look from the place that thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. Now what is God doing? God is comforting the heart of his servant because he sees the state that he's in and now part of the hindrance of the full revelation of God in his life has now left and by that leaving it loses Abram from a, oh my this held back spot in his life that allows God to pour out more of his abundant blessing. But yet God does not overlook the human part. God does not overlook the anxiety and the problems that he must have felt. How could Abraham as a prophet of God standing there watching his nephew and all of his people leave out from under the protection of the word and not feel like that Lot didn't even have the common decency to ask him, uncle, what should I do? Give me direction. You're the one who's led and I I followed you all these years. Please help me, uncle. I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to turn. But what did Lot follow? His eyes. Lot looked and Lot did not follow the direction of the word. He did not ask for counsel. But Lot looked and when Lot looked, Lot saw. And what Lot saw, Lot wanted. Well, I'm telling you one thing. That's what's happening to a lot of folks in this hour. They're looking at the world and they like what they see and they want what they see and they go toward it. Well, let me just turn around the other way and tell you this. One day I also looked and I did not see I wanted alcohol. I did not see that I wanted drugs and all that sort of thing. But I looked and I saw Jesus. Amen. I saw one who loved us so very much. And what I saw, I wanted. And what I wanted, he by his grace allowed me to partake of. And I have never regretted to this very day that I, what I looked, I saw what I saw. I wanted what I wanted. I took, amen. What I took by the grace of God has produced a hundred percent satisfaction. I have never one day, never one hour, never one minute of my walk with God been disappointed in my Lord Jesus Christ look friends I've been a Christian for 51 years preaching since I was 18 I've never one minute of my walk with God one minute could say, I've been disappointed with my God. I can't say I've always understood everything. But as far as it coming right down to it and saying, you know what I'm thinking about leaving him. Never, never. You hear me? Never. Praise God. Some of y'all look at me like I'm strange. You mean you all don't feel that way? He ain't never done me nothing but good. Praise God. Oh my. Notice in verse 15, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. Isn't this amazing that this abundant promise does not come till after Lot is separated. Now God expounds on what he's already given, but he magnifies the revelation. Once God gives a revelation, he can never change it. But God can magnify on the revelation and expand that revelation and make it more clear. You understand that? 
So God, actually, what he does, you, you see that in ads and weather, even on your weather. Look at AccuWeather. Whenever you pull up the daily forecast on AccuWeather, and it's got a little plus minus thing up on the right-hand corner, and you can go on that side, and it'll increase it according to how much ever you want to read or decrease it. Well, God gave Abraham the decrease form in the original. But now, since Abraham and Lot is separated, God pushed on the plus button, and now expanded and opened up the window a little bit more. <laughs> Amen. So it expanded the revelation, said, now, Abraham, this is what I wanted to tell you back there, but you had too many lots in your lot so now that you've got rid of some of that lot you've opened up your heart for your real lot which is up here now that that has happened let me tell you what I'm going to do if you can go out there and number the sand the grains of sand laying on the seashore that's how many your seed will be I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth so that if a man can number the dust of the earth then shall thy seed also be numbered. I think that would have been pretty encouraging. Since this man ain't got no kids. Now remember, God's encouraging. I'm afraid if we come to the house of God, God will encourage us. Look, look everywhere around you. You can pass by a church of Christ sign and they don't even believe in the supernatural. But God can have them to put up a sign on there, maybe two or three words or a sentence and it just absolutely explodes in you because God is looking for ways to speak to you. If you look at the sunrise, if you look at the sunset, if you look at the moon, if you look at the stars, if you look at the green tree, I believe God's got messages all around us every day of our life that he wants to encourage us, that he wants to speak to us if we get in the right frame of mind. But if we're not careful, we're so negative, we're so down, we're, and all we look for is negative signs, negative this, negative that. Get that out of your mind. You're a son or daughter of God. He loves you. He's looking for ways to administer his grace to you. Praise God. Notice this again in one, it's paragraph 124. The prophet said, Abraham come Isaac, Isaac come Jacob, out of Jacob come the patriarchs. Out of the patriarchs went into Egypt, and Egypt grew a nation. Then when he got his nation, grew up his achievement. What did he do? God separated them again. Unbelief and faith can't grow together. No, sir. He separated them again for his own. Now, in looking at this, we know that, of course, from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, then comes Joseph. Now, what did God do? God continued the same work of separation, but it comes now closer. It's not like God separating a lot from an Abraham, but it's actually going to be Lot, God separating another man with his lot and his portion, a brother from other brothers. Joseph, notice in Genesis 49, 22, whenever the prophet is blessing them, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. But his bow abode in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd the stone of Israel. Even by the God of thy father who shall keep thee and by the almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under. Notice what he says. Heavens above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast and of the womb. The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of thy progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. My goodness. 
Oh my, they shall be upon the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was. Uh oh. Separate from his brethren. Now it's one thing to separate a David from Saul, separate a lot from Abraham. But now you got a brother separated from brothers. Well, praise the Lord. Deuteronomy 33, 16, and for the precious things of the earth. This is Moses reiterating the blessing of Joseph. And the fullness thereof, and for the good will of him. I love this statement. For the good will of him that dwelt in the bush. Praise God. Let the blessing come upon the head of Joseph and upon the top of the head of him that was separated from his brethren. So God separated him, sent him to the land of Egypt. Then God sent them down to the land of Egypt. How many of them was there? Seventy. 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 When they go into the land of Egypt. And when they come out, they come out with two and a half million. You couldn't send 70 people into the land of Canaan to take over the land. You send them down in there and make Pharaoh raise them. That Pharaoh had his own social security and welfare department. Take care of them, feed them, raise them, tutor them. Praise God. Let Pharaoh take care of the bill. God said, Pharaoh, feed my youngins. I want you to feed them. Oh, yeah, you'll beat them and you'll do this, that, and other, but I will bring them out with a mighty hand. Then what did God do? Once God had got his nation grown up right under Pharaoh's nose, God sent the prophet Moses and he said, Moses, you go down there and tell Pharaoh, I said, let my son go. Amen. Notice God was not stealing slaves, but God exalted Israel to the position of his firstborn son. Praise. God said, let my boy go. Amen. God had to exalt him positionally in order to bring them out without Justin breaking his own law. He is my firstborn. You let him go. Why? God's separating again. You understand, friends, what I'm saying? Notice Exodus 5.1. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. But they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Chapter 33, verse 16. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? Shall, so shall we be separated. I and thy people from all the people that are on the face of the earth. Amen. I may believe separation is important. If you believe the Bible, you did. Now notice that these instructions before they ever get into the land. Exodus 34, 11. Observe that which I command thee this day. Behold, I drive out from before thee the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, whether thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of of thee, but ye shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous, 
is a jealous God. Well, I guess you would be if your name was Jealous. Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they go whoring after their gods and do sacrifice unto their gods and one shall call thee and thou shalt eat of his sacrifice. But notice now. And thou take of their daughters unto thy sons. So you see, it was not just them going over and worshiping Molech or worshiping a god. But God knew there was a danger in a believer marrying an unbeliever. Now, I realize we're living in Laodicea and whatever people think they want to do, they got a right to do. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm going to preach it as long as I live. No believer should ever marry an unbeliever under any circumstances whatsoever. But Brother Donnie, I know somebody that did that. Yeah, and what you're doing is taking that example, that experience, and exalting that experience above God's command. Now, you one of you young boys, young girls, you go out and you marry a Baptist, you go out and marry a sinner, well, I'm just praying. I'm believing they will. So your faith is built on what promise? Show me one promise in the New Testament where God says a Christian girl, go out and marry a sinner boy, and I promise you I'll save him. Show me that promise. But Brother Donnie, I know some of that. I do too. But we're exalting experience above the word. Experience is not our measuring rod. The word is our measuring rod. Now friends, God can sovereignly do what he wants. But if you want to walk in faith, you've got to have something to back it up by. Well, I figured y'all get quiet on me tonight, but that's okay. And notice, and thou take of their daughters unto thy sons, and their daughters go a-whoring after their gods, and make thy sons go a-whoring after their gods. That's amazing how when God talked about mixed marriages in the Old Testament, how that God emphasized more about the sons marrying false daughters than he did about the daughters marrying false sons. It shows the power of the woman in the house. Oh, Jesus, I'm finishing this in my office. <laughs> now, friends, read your Bible and you'll see it's the truth. I never noticed this to the other day myself. Now, Abraham already believed and practiced this same thing before God ever mentioned this in Exodus. Watch in Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house, that rule over all that he had, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my side. And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Laodiceans among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go, oh glory, unto my country, Unto my kindred and take a wife unto my son Jesus. Can't you see why the bride? You never was in your soul a Laodicean. You never was. You come from God country. You come from God kin. You come from the land of not Nod, but the land of God. That's where you come from. Glory to God. You come from the very heart of God. You are from God country. 
You're not a goat turned into a sheep. You're not a hog turned into a sheep. You was just a sheep of spots all over you and a mud pile all over you. And Jesus washed you and cleansed you. Hallelujah. But you were from his country, from his gene pool. Now watch Esau. Well, no, Esau was a very carnal man. He was of the natural lineage of the prophets, but not of the spiritual lineage at all. Genesis 26, 34. And Esau was 40 years old. Now remember Isaac, Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. So Isaac, no doubt, taught his boys. Is it come on down from one generation to another? They didn't have a written Bible the way they do, so it was word of mouth. Now, boys do this and don't do that. Then grandsons do this and don't do that. But look how Esau does. And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judas, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite. And Basimus, a bigamist. The daughter of Elon, the Hittite. Now listen at Isaac and Rebecca's response to this. They got on Facebook and said, oh, we are so happy. Congratulations to our son. He's marrying a Hittite. No, that's some of you compromising Laodiceans. This is how Isaac and Rebekah responded. Which were a grief of mind unto Isaac. Unto Rebekah. The word grief means mora. The Hebrew word is bitterness and grief. Mind is ruach, spirit, disposition. Troubled, bitter, discontented. They didn't congratulate him and say, well, oh, it's so wonderful. So wonderful. What's the matter with people? Are we a word-believing people or what are we? Anybody got a spare fan? Now notice, Isaac and Rebekah did not want the same thing for Jacob. Notice this in chapter 27, verse 46. And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of the Laodiceans. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Hesh, such as these which are the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do to me? This is how it ought to affect a real godly mother and a real godly father. Those of you that encourage your children to marry Baptist and Church of God and Nazarene, what's the matter with you people? In all reality, in this message, you should be careful who you marry to. There ain't no way a person sitting in this church or another church that believes in the fivefold ministry should marry a dyed in the wool tape person. Amen. 
A tape person don't even believe the gospel. They don't even believe the Bible. Much less the message. It'll be anguish in your home. It'll be trouble. It'll be dissension. It'll be, well, come on, Happy Valley. Do we believe this or not? How can a person who reads in Ephesians 4 where God said he sent apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers and they say, I still believe that's active. Marry a person that said, Brother Branham was all five of them. All we need to do is push play. You're an unbeliever. You don't even believe the gospel. Jesus said, go preach. Genesis 28, 1. And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. Mary blood kin if marrying a Hittite would have grieved Isaac and Rebekah for Jesus to marry a denominational Laodicean you're talking about grieving the heart of spirit God but don't worry he ain't going to so what he do he said go back to my father's house I tell you what I want you to do, Elijah, Malachi 4. I want you to go out and search for those that are of my father's house. <laughs> Amen. Whenever he was sent for Rebecca, what did he do? He went out there, now, Lord God, whoever it is that you, that you want to marry my, my master Isaac, I pray that she'll come out. And whenever he had got done praying, what did she do? She come right out and he spoke to the maid and said unto her, oh my, give me a drink. And you know what she started saying? She said what the same thing the tape said. You know what? That's what I'm doing right here tonight. I'm saying what they say. I'm not playing what they play. Brother Bram never told me to play what they play. He said, say what they said. In order to say what they said, I got to preach. Well, I wish somebody would say amen tonight. Hallelujah. And she said, not only will I water them, but I will water your camels. Little did she know that same camel she was watering was going to pack her right back to her bridegroom. Oh, let me tell you something, church. As we come in here Wednesday night, Saturday night, and Sunday morning, and we're watering the Holy Spirit, and we're praising and blessing God, that same Spirit of God that you're giving praise to, He's going to change your body one day, and He's going to pack you right to your bridegroom. Let the world laugh at us. Let them make fun of us. We don't care. <laughs> well, might not tell Jacob. Look, Jacob, just go out there and marry, marry a Philistine. Man, Canaanite, man, Baptist, Methodist, Church of God, what difference does it make? Just marry one of them. Because God said, don't do it. In all reality, a girl with the Holy Ghost should never marry a man that don't have it, and vice versa. 
but especially a girl shouldn't marry a man that ain't got the Holy Ghost. He's going to be the head of that house. Well, friends, you go with me, go with that, whatever y'all want to do, I'm going to preach anyway. <clears throat> now, notice God all through the, the walk of Israel, giving them these laws. Notice in Leviticus 20, 23, you shall not walk in the manners of the nation, which I cast out before you. For they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred them. But I've said unto you, you shall inherit their land. And I will give it unto you. He's reminding them. Now look, I'm going to give you their land. But this is the reason I'm doing it. I did this because they were filthy. They were unclean. They rebelled against my ways. And if you go in and do the same thing, I'll throw you out. And he did. Oh my. It is a land that falls of milk and honey. I am the Lord your God which have separated you from other people. You shall therefore put difference between clean beasts and unclean. This is why their dietary laws was such an important thing. Now to them it was an outside thing, a totally, completely outside. The law never changed their heart. The law never changed their spirit. The law never changed their soul totally on the outside. They can lay their hands up on the lamb and maybe initially they felt sincerely, oh God, forgive me. Oh God, I'm so wrong. But after a while, it become methodical. It become routine over and over again. Well, got to go up and confess my sins. Got to offer my sacrifice. Well, let's go do it and get it over with. Oh my, when church comes that way to us, we're in a mess. God wants church to be brand new. He wants it to be an absolute wonderful experience every time we come to the house of God. But it come to that spot, Brother Terry, it was just over and over and over again. Why? It never imparted unto them the abundance of joy. David was an unusual case. David had such a deposit of overflowing joy. And he was still living under methodical law. He was living under ceremonial separation and dietary law and all that. But David somehow had a large deposit of his seed. My, if that man would have lived in this day and had the Holy Ghost, he'd been a mess. It's a good thing he didn't live under grace. I'm telling you that right now. It's a good thing that he wasn't a member of this church. (laughs) (laughs) Woo, can't wait to see him. Praise God. So God said, don't eat this. Don't look that way. Don't do this. Why? I want you to be a separate people. And between unclean fowls and clean, and you shall not make your souls abominable by beast or by fowl or by manner of living thing that creepeth on the ground, which I have separated from you as unclean. Everything about their life was no, no, yes, yes, okay, no, yes, no, yes. Why? Why? Probably didn't even make any sense to them. It was God's demand. You're separate. You're not like the rest of the world. Leviticus 20, 26, and you shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have severed, severed you from other people. To divide, separate, set apart, to make a distinction that ye should be mine. Notice Numbers 15, 37, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of the garments throughout their generations. That they put upon the fringe of the borders of Rebanda blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. 
That you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you used to go a whoring. That you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. So when they would look at one another's band of blue, and other people would look upon them, it wouldn't make no difference. Some of the Jews were fair-skinned, some were darker. It didn't make any difference. That wasn't how they identified them as color of skin. But it was certain things on the outside. And they would look at their garment with a man or woman and they would see the band of blue. So it was noted. You were a Jew. Everybody in the marketplace knew who you were. Everybody everywhere you went knew who you were by the clothes you wore. You think they still do, Brother Tom? Well, don't you see, sisters, that's why whenever our sisters in the message have a yard sale, the people of the world ain't too interested in our clothes. What do y'all generally do? You contact sisters in the church, say, hey, I'm having a yard sale. Well, why, why, why don't you come put it in the newspaper? Why don't you put it on TV and put it on radio and, and put it on Craigslist and all that? Well, why don't you, well, the, um, the skirt church is having a yard sale. Say, so who in the world would want to buy from the skirt church? Are you going to get skirts from the church? Nobody there wears breeches. Oh, there may be some that get it, but they get their high burn as they do. Well, who in the world would want to buy skirts? Well, skirt-wearing women that are modest. That's who. Well, praise God. Well, here Brother Donnie goes on that old skirt issue again. I sure do. I've been in many nations of the world. I've been in different continents of the world. I've been in the airports. I've been in official buildings. I've been in all kinds of places. I could not speak the language that was there. But there was one thing I always found out. If I needed to go to the restroom, you know what I found? I found a man standing there in Africa with pants on in that little drawing. And I found a woman with a skirt on. Hallelujah. When I was in India, I found the same thing. When I've been in uh, Australia or New Zealand or uh, wherever I've been around the world, I found the same thing. So apparently it is a universal language that when you want to go to the restroom that you are identified by what you wear. So we want to go to the rest eternity and we're going to get there how? By what we wear. What we wear identifies who we are on the inside. Can I have a few more minutes? Numbers chapter 33, verse 55. But if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which ye let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. Now, coming back to what I said earlier, it's up to you. God gave you the land. If you want to let them live, it's up to you. But tell me, how can God kill all Amorites, if you've got sons of Israel, marrying them as wives. Now you have embraced them. God considered them enemies. You considered them wives. So God says it's your choice. So if that's what you want, I won't kill. I won't kill. I'll let them live. I consider them my enemy. You call them mama. You call them wife. My, my. Moreover, it shall come to pass that as I've done unto, notice, shall I do unto you as I thought to do unto them. Likewise, my friends, we must not make peace with any lurking sinful habits. 
and our lives. Because when you come to a covenant with a besetting sin, it has just conquered you. Praise God. I'm going to have to make that amen tape. Boy, the further we go. <laughs> when the Lord thy God, notice Deuteronomy 7, 1, shall bring thee into the land which thou goest to possess it, has cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. When the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make with them. Thy daughter shalt thou not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. Now, unless they become proselytes, like Rahab did. Now you see, Rahab was different, and so was Ruth. Why? Ruth had a desire to serve the Lord. Amen. Where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Amen. Boaz did not have to go down to the Moabite church and then trade off every other Sunday and then every other Wednesday night and then them try to figure out, oh no, by the time Boaz met her, he was not backslid the way the first one was. Well, thank you, Jesus. He was not backslid. He didn't go down to that Moabitish church looking for one. Come on, saints. Oh, my, but when Boaz got a hold of Ruth, she had already been fully converted to be a type of the bride of Christ. But I want you to notice, even when God took Ruth, God never breaks his word and says, now after I've taken Ruth, it's okay to marry Moabitesses. That was an experience, but the teaching of the word was, don't marry a Moabitess. That still stood after Ruth. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You see, friends, what we do? We take experience over the word. Well, my uncle so-and-so, my grandma, uh-huh. And you'll take that over what the word teaches. That's not the teaching of the word. Ruth was not a teaching of morality of marriage. It was a supernatural improvision of God himself. God intervened and done that. Can God do it again? He can, but you have no promise that he will. Well, maybe I should sing a while. Praise the Lord. Why? Why is this so dangerous? Because the heart, the unconverted heart, naturally is inclined to lean this worldly way. Do you understand according to statistics? Let's lay the Bible aside for a few moments and the message. Marriages mixed between people of two different faiths. 75% of them, just read it today, 75% of them wind up in divorce. They don't feel comfortable talking religion. They don't feel comfortable. I'll read them to you. Oh, so I was hoping you was done with that. No, no. Can you imagine somebody who believes the opening of the word? Going home and trying to fellowship and talk to a husband that goes to a Baptist church? 
What'd y'all do tonight? Well, we drunk black coffee and ate a ham sandwich down in the basement. What'd y'all do? We soared in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Talked about predestination of the work. And you're going to fellowship around that? There's no closer intimate relationship than husband and wife. So the power of persuasion is so powerful. Notice now, Paul, you said that's all Old Testament, Brother Donnie. Thank you for thinking that. Thank you. But Paul picked up the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39, and brought it right over to the new. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will. You mean New Testament Christians were forbidden to marry unbelievers. This is the teaching of the Bible. Let's close out here in Deuteronomy. I don't want to get stoned on Wednesday night. I mean. Notice again Deuteronomy 7, 4. For they will turn away thy son. God, why are you so sure? Why are you so sure, God, that they will? Isn't your power greater? Remember, they were not born again. They will turn away thy son from following me that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall you deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their images and cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God has chosen thee to be a special people. Now remember, this is not just Old Testament. This is New Testament bride application as well. We're not to act like the world. We're not to be like the world. We're not to dress like the world because we're not of the world. Amen. To be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest. Ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you. And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Praise be to God. Oh my, notice Joshua 23, 11. Take good heed therefore unto yourselves that ye love the Lord your God. Else, if you do in any wise go back by going back is transgression against God's divine law backsliding if you do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations even these that remain among you and shall make marriages so Joshua considered them marrying these worldly people as backsliding and go in unto them and they unto you Oh my. 1 Kings 8.50 Forgive thy people that have sinned against thee and all their transgressions when they have transgressed against thee and give them compassion before whom they have carried them captive that they may have compassion on them. For they be thy people and thine inheritance which thou brought us forth out of Egypt from the midst of the furnace of iron. 
thine eyes, listen, that thine eyes may be open unto the supplication of thy servant, unto the supplication of thy people Israel, to hearken unto them in all that they call for thee. What a prayer of a man that later becomes so desolate. For thou didst separate them from among the people of the earth to be thine inheritance. Let me read just a verse or two and then we'll stop. But look at this man, the wisest man in all the earth, became such a fool when he come to women. First Kings 11.1, 1. but King Solomon loved many strange women with a daughter of Pharaoh. Here's one of his first steps to backsliding. Egypt is always the world. So he marries the daughter of Pharaoh as a strong political alliance to have confederacy with Pharaoh. And he also buys chariots, which his father under inspiration of God in the book of Psalms, spoke against. You understand, the kings of Israel were not to have horses. You didn't know that? Read your Bible. They were not to have chariots. Solomon's buying chariots was a sign of his weakness of faith. Well, y'all didn't know that. I'm sorry. Notice this. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, ye shall not. Now here's after Ruth has done come into view. But the teaching has not changed. Ruth was the exception. Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. The English says love. Actually, the Hebrew is lust. Solomon clave unto these in lust. This man, hey, I give him credit. He was a wise man. He was a smart man, but I don't understand this guy. No. Let me close with verse 3. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. As I read this this evening, about a quarter after five, getting this finished up by the chairman, I read this. These words just jumped out at me. I thought, oh my. You may think it's strange, but I, I, I was thinking of Solomon and how his heart was turned because of the women. But then I was thinking about Malachi 4. Oh, yeah. Praise God. 
uh, that he would come and turn our hearts away from the influence of these women. Over a thousand of these denominations. Praise be to God. Over a thousand of them out here said, we're the church, we're the church, we're the church, we're the church. And God sent us a little simple prophet that the world lifetime make, made fun of. And what did God say? He will turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers. Well, the devil is turning the hearts by what? All of these princesses and worldly churches and worldly denominations turning the hearts of the people to tribulation period. God sent a prophet to turn his people back to the word. Praise be to God. Let me read verse four. We'll, we'll pick this up maybe next, next time. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Asteroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil on the side of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord. You see, this is something that folks don't understand. Solomon did not abandon Yahweh. He worshipped Yahweh still. It was not like he turned away from Yahweh totally. Look, this man that built the house of God but actually built the house of God, the temple of God. He built a house over here in another hill for the Zidonians over here for Milcom, over here for Ashtaroth, the same men that built the house of God. Remember the prophet likened Solomon to the Ephesian church age. So Solomon, the man who built the house of God later, I have something to say unto you because you've lost your first love. So here was the Ephesian age of the Old Testament that they lost their first love left their first love so the same man who built the house of God when initially you would come in under his administration all you would see was the house of God but as time went by you would see the house of God the house of Milcom the house of the Zidonians all these other houses because you got all these women you place one of them you got to place all of them I reckon thank God we don't practice polygamy Some of your brothers didn't say amen. I hope that don't mean you want to. That's mainly all women that say amen to that. So you imagine you build one for this wife and you got to build one for that and you got to build one for that and you got to build one for that. And, and corruption starts generally in a nation at the top. So you imagine if, if the king is doing this, what's all these people doing? So if he was marrying all these strange women and bringing them all in, what do you figure the majority of the rest of the people? Well, the pastor says it's okay. Pastor does it. The deacon's daughters do it. The, the deacon's sons do it. So I guess it's all right. Lord, have mercy, children. God, help us. God, help us. I know you think I'm hard. I know you think I'm too strict sometimes. 
But I'm going to tell you one thing. When, when Nehemiah went back into the land of Israel and he found all them priests married to the Ashdods and all them sort of things, he grabbed a hold of their hair. He pulled their beard out. He pulled their hair out. Hey, I'm a Cub Scout compared to Nehemiah. You better be glad he ain't your pastor. I mean, this guy was rough. Almost think sometimes we need some rough-hewn guys back in the pulpit instead of a bunch of preachers that's concerned about what everybody's going to say. How many wants to be a separate people? Now, let me throw you a curve before I let you go. How many believes Jesus was separate from sinners? According to the book of Hebrews. But at the same time, he was called a wine bibber and a drunkard. And his reputation was that he hung around with sinners. But yeah, Paul said he was separate from sinners. He knew how to balance it all. Now remember, separation is not isolationism. As I told you last week, separation leads to isolation, isolation leads to a cult. The challenge is this, friends. It'd be so much easier if we just pulled off like the Amish and the Mennonites and the Hutterites and just build a community somewhere. That ain't what God wants us to do. How are we going to let our light so shine among men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven if we're all driving around in Amish buggies all the time? The mystery is that we're able to live out here among all these people and work with them and maintain our testimony as a light in the time of great darkness. Praise God. A man that the scribes and Pharisees. Jesus said, John came neither eating and drinking. The son of man come eating and drinking, and you call him a gluttonous and a wine liver. They said, if he only knew who this woman was, he knew who she was. His reputation was made among such. But Jesus never lowered himself. You understand? Well, let me go ahead and say it. I want to save it to next Wednesday night. Let me go ahead and say it to you. The real proper separation is separation without contamination. You see, whenever you are contaminated, you're getting too close. When you are getting contaminated by the people you're hanging around and you're patting your foot to their music and snapping your fingers to their music, then you are becoming contaminated. We're not talking about hanging around sinful people and picking up their, their duties and the things that they do. We are talking about being a separated people. You understand? But separation will be able to keep you to where they will not lead you to do whatever you want to do. It leads you to a place, but it keeps you from contamination. That you don't pick up the worldly habits. You don't act like them. You don't look like them. You don't dress like them. You're not contaminated with the world. I'm closing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the truth, Lord. Lord, if there's any people here tonight that have been Christians for very long at all, I think they can understand what I'm saying. Lord, we know that we have to rub shoulders with the world. I hear these brothers that are in business and these brothers and sisters that work in public places and they have to deal with different types of business people. Lord, some of them have to fly overseas and have to rub shoulders with people in China and India and different places. 
different cultures, different ways of thinking, talking, acting, behaving. But yet, Lord, what you want us to be is so set apart within ourselves that the walls around our heart are not prison walls, but castle walls. And our gates are always open because we are the city. When John looked and saw the city in Revelation 21, he said the gates are not shut by night, for there is no night there. And the city was the bride. So the bride is not kept against her will in these lists of do's and don'ts. This is not a prison. These are castle walls. Oh, we could go out if we wanted to. We just don't want to. The want to is gone. That old snake in our heart has been gone a long time back. But our gates are open. We're not held against our will. We're not hell here, Lord, where we're scared to death. We'll go to hell. Well, I'd like to get out and drink. I'd like to run around on Carol. Boy, I'm, I'm afraid I'd go to hell. No, you don't have to hang that over me. She don't have to threaten me. Donnie, I'll, if you get a girlfriend on the side, I'll tell everybody, okay, Carol, I won't. I, I promise I won't. She don't have one thing to worry about. Lord, in a month or so, we'll be celebrating our 45 years together. I love her more now than I did when I met her as a 16-year-old girl. She ain't got nothing to worry about. Praise God. Lord Jesus, my worst day on earth as a Christian would be better than any good day the devil could ever offer me. Why in the world would I want to turn from him who's been so good to him who's a liar, who's a hypocrite, who's evil, who's wretched and vile? Oh, Jesus, you're not holding me, oh, by fear. I thank you for that tonight, Lord, because I remember the first few years of my life under the legalism of Pentecost. I served you out of fear. Lord, even starting to preach, I, I got under such legalism. I felt if I didn't fast every week, Lord, I, I didn't think you'd use me. Three days, five days, seven days, ten days, fourteen days. Lord, it was so legal. That I felt if I didn't fast. Thank you for your grace to liberate me from that legalism, Lord. I don't serve you now, Lord, because I'm scared I'll go to hell. I don't preach because I'm scared I'll go to hell. I didn't come from hell, and I certainly ain't going back there. I live for you. I serve you. All my don'ts and all my do's and all that, they're not because I'm scared. They're because my love for you. You don't want me to do those things, so I, I don't want to do them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My gates are open day and night. Oh, we could come out. Brother Bram relates it to us. Christ will be on his own word of thinking is with thinking man's filter. Oh, come on out. Oh, yeah, he said we could. We could, but we don't want to. Praise God. You ain't got us held and bound and gagged and our arms are all tied behind our back. Oh, I wish I could get drunk. Oh, I wish I could smoke. Oh, I wish I could run around. No, our gates are open. We just don't want to. That's what makes the devil so mad. Our gates are open and he can't draw us out. He gets, he gets his prisoners of war and he has to lock them up and he has to get them high. He has to have them alcohol dependencies and drug dependencies and all kinds of dependencies because if they ever come to the right mind, they come to you, Lord. So he has to lock them up and throw the key away. You set yours free and leave the gates open. Oh, praise God. And we still don't want to go. Hallelujah. Because we're so in love with you. 
Oh, Jesus, thank you for your kindness to us, Lord. We love you with all of our hearts tonight, Father. Lord, we thank you for our brother Mac Carter standing here tonight, Lord. Been able to be in service. He's been released out of the hospital today. Lord, you see our brother having to go in, Lord, for his heart situation. Still waiting for some results, Lord, of what the doctors are going to say. Lord, they give him maybe not so much a great report. But Heavenly Father, we're looking to another book tonight. And I want to take up that medical book and I'm going to turn over to the book of Isaiah. And I would like to turn down to a certain chapter where it says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He was wounded for our transgressions. And by his stripes we were healed. We pray for our brother tonight, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, no matter what the doctors tell him in a few days, whenever they tell him those results, we're reading the report tonight of the mighty God. We want to believe the report of him who made the first heart. You're not just a heart repair guy. You are the maker of the heart. Praise God. Lord Jesus, we pray for our brother tonight. Lord, others that have needs in their body, in their home, in their lives, may the Spirit of God move for them, Lord. We love you, Father. We pray for Brother Jim Babb tonight, Lord. We're grateful that he's slowly recovering from his surgery. Father, you see his needs, Lord. He says some things he needs to move tonight. But God, we're asking you in the name of Jesus for our brother Jim Babb. In the name of Jesus Christ, may the Spirit of God strengthen our brother, Lord. Others that have needs as well, Lord. Brother Gene Lehman, Heavenly Father, others that are sick and afflicted, maybe those that have streamed the service tonight, may you reach to them, Lord, with your tender, loving hand, Father. Brother Jeff Nunley, be mindful of him as well, Lord. We love you, Father, in the name of Jesus. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. I keep falling in love with him over and over, over and over again. He gets sweeter and sweeter, the days go by. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. Just keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over. Dream on. 